better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever Bulletproof for BJJ podcast. Well, I'm, I'm super hyped. I'm trying to contain it um, just so that my enthusiasm doesn't explode the levels on the computer. But actually, the truth is Joe started Bulletproof for BJJ. And this is something that people may not know. I, it's true. It's true. This journey is mine and I brought you along for the ride. <laughs> true. I'm just a, I'm just a backup dancer. <laughs> um, so, yeah, what I thought would be really good today, just for everybody who comes across Bulletproof for BJJ, to understand uh, where you're coming from, Joey, and why you started Bulletproof for BJJ. Cool. Yeah, so um, I guess a little, yeah, a little background on me. I've uh, been training JITS for... Uh, 13, 12, 13 years. Um, I'm a brown belt. Got a few stripes on that thing. Um, been up and down with it over the years. Had, uh, you know, had uh, my initial academy, got to, got to brown belt with them. Wasn't really enjoying it by the time I got there. You know, the, mm. just the, the politics and the, 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 the climate in that gym and blah, blah, blah. Um, so when I got my brown, I was kind of at the end of my tether, you mm. could say. And like, I, I'm just not enjoying going to training each night. And, um, at the same time, I had just opened my first gym, Jungle Brothers, uh, with you know two mates, and so the, there'd been this sort of thing where I was transitioning careers into being a personal trainer, opening a gym. Um, got my brown and was like, "I'm out. Yep. I'm just going to focus on the business because really, it's you know what it's like, right? When you're super busy with your work, it's mm. really hard to train jits every evening as well and whatever. So um, I took a big break and I focused on the gym, and the gym was. Um, strength and movement and mobility and all that stuff and I, I like I went super deep on that stuff and it was really cool because I had a couple of years where I was training like a savage in that realm and it, it, it taught me a huge amount um, but there was always this connection to jiu-jitsu and there was always a desire for me to get back to it but I always I had friends in the game you know you know by the time you're at like a, a higher belt you got such a community around you, right? Whether it's friends or acquaintances or people you're doing business with, you know they're jiu-jitsu folk. So it's kind of like Fight Club. It's just like a Fight Club, right? <laughs> you, just, you see a guy, you yeah. walk in, you're like, nod. He's got a gnarled face. Yeah. That's my guy. <laughs> Call yeah. it Larry. Yeah. 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 Um, so in any case, I, I was like, well, there's a, real, there's a real crossover here. What I'm doing in the gym and what I'm seeing with these jiu-jitsu guys and what I know of my own experience with jiu-jitsu, I, I can help these guys. And um, the, it started with just this desire to do something to help the jiu-jitsu community. So we at Jungle Brothers, Tiora and I decided to run a workshop that was called Bulletproof Bodies for BJJ. And uh, it was just a workshop. And it was like, here's a collection of the best shit we do in terms of strength training and mobility. Real simple stuff that we're doing that jiu-jitsu people at large don't know about. Um, and so we invited everyone we knew. We ran this workshop and there was about 30 people there, mostly awesome. guys. Um, and that was the beginning of it. Nice. Yeah. That's so cool. Right. Well, man, that's, that's, that's really cool. I actually didn't know that myself. So I'm, right. I'm learning right here, right now. 
Um, what well, you're doing something parallel at this time, right? Yeah. So I mean, look, I think I, I mean I started jujitsu. What was it? Uh, it was like early March in say uh, 2008, and even then, because I kind of you know had come from being a PT and having a strength conditioning background, I was so blown away at how little that was in the world of jujitsu. Like. I would like start stretching at the end of class and people are like, what are you doing? <laughs> just like shaming me. It's just like, I don't know, just trying to work on my flexibility, man. <laughs> um, and then I trained kettlebells for about a year by the time I came to jiu-jitsu. And the crazy thing was like I, it had made such a difference on me in one year it, because it's so much grip and so much core training. I was like, wow, coming from taekwondo, I actually was pretty well prepped it was kind of strange, even though I'd just done lots of kicking and punching and couldn't do any of it. Doing the kettlebell training had, had really changed my kind of, I guess, athletic profile. So for jits, I was like, oh, kettlebells is really good for jujitsu. And then there's so many injuries. That's the thing. I was just seeing everybody super injured. And I got a lot of injuries too, just being a super keen, frothy, white belt, blue belt, just going too hard. Of course. Uh, as you do. You just train through them, right? You're in your 20s. <laughs> Well, I don't know about train through them, but yeah, definitely is like tape it, take the drugs, keep going. Yeah. Um, and then going to Brazil and getting exposed to that because I'm like, oh, this is the home of jiu-jitsu, right? But in truth, at that time, like the training was like CrossFit wasn't even a thing really then. No. But what I had noticed is because I've been to Brazil uh, five times now that each time I'd go back to Brazil, people would be doing different training. And, but that said... No one was really saying, hey, you need something which is actually going to, like, unwreck your body from jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Like, guys were like, I do CrossFit because CrossFit's hard and jiu-jitsu's hard, so that works. But then guys were, like, tearing their hands, they were overtrained, and they were getting more injuries when they were doing jiu-jitsu. But because the mentality is that everyday pohada and grind and, you know, even though that's super admirable in terms of, like, having a tough mentality, it doesn't speak to longevity or like being able to follow that path because it's a pretty long path, right? Like you and I have trained you to a similar amount of time. Obviously, I'm the black belt, Joe's the brown belt. We just uh, established that early on. Um, hey. 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 <laughs> no privilege here. No black belt <laughs> privilege here. But I mean, Joe should be a black belt, but he owns a gym. I, I own nothing because I'm a Buddhist. <laughs> but essentially... Um, I'd give it all away in a heartbeat for a black belt. <laughs> <laughs> Black belt's coming. All of it. Just keep it. Just keep it. You're going to get it. It'll be there. You don't need it. All right. Sign over your gym to me right now. Um, uh, we'll do a trade. Uh, I think what was interesting is because we, we – I, I had people come to me and say, have you heard of this guy, this, this guy called Joe? Man, he's your brother. He does kettlebell training and personal training. And like, man, he does jiu-jitsu. He's a blue belt. Do you know him? I'm like, no. I don't, I've never heard of this guy. <laughs> Well, who's this guy? And then, uh, I don't know, I think maybe there was a similar thing on your end. Maybe someone has said, have you heard of this? Dude, totally. Who's this guy? Yeah, people are like, man, you know that guy, um, James Tomlinson from Melbourne? I'm like, no, they're like, man, he's super into kettlebells. He's a blue belt as well. He's about your size. You guys look the same. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, no. Um, How could anyone look like me? That's what Joe <laughs> <Yeah>. thought. <laughs> he looks no this, this handsome. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... Yeah, and, and that kind of went on. There's like a tale of this guy from Melbourne. And then I think, was it the Pan Packs? 
Uh, or was it no, a Sydney comp? It was Abu Dhabi Trials. Abu Dhabi Trials. And that was actually a little bit of political background. That was when you, your friend from the dojo got his, he came back from Japan with a black belt and Paolo slapped him. Oh, uh, I wasn't, no, I wasn't there for that. Oh, goodness. So, yeah, I think you got to meet, yeah, I wasn't there for the slap. Oh, okay. I was in Brazil at the time. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Because I was at that comp and right. that was like, oh, shit. It's going down. <laughs> yeah. It's the closest you could get to like. Uh, kind of backyard fights at a jiu-jitsu Everyone's tournament. like, hang on a second. We're not actually meant to be fighting guys' stuff. It's just a sport. <laughs> just hug. <Yeah. laughs> Make up. Strangle each other. Um, but yeah, I do remember it was at Sydney Aquatic Center, I believe, where someone went, I think it was like Eric Mastro, or it was somebody who said, hey man, stay here. I'm going to go get Joe. He's here. <laughs> and, and went and like grabbed you and I kind of saw you walk over and I was like, this guy. This is dude. And then it's kind of like sometimes when you see animals confront a mirror. <laughs> They're like flexing a little bit. It's not really sure. Not sure. A bit, bit anxious. Yeah. It's like, oh, this face feels familiar. Oh, God. And there's a point of recognition like, there's a similarity here. It's kind of, it's a bit weird. <laughs> no words were exchanged for a good five minutes. <laughs> it was just smelling, observing. Yeah. Sort of flexing. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's interesting because I think for perennially for a couple of years, we kind of had just met up. I'd come to Jungle Brothers when it was at the original location. Yeah. Um, you, when you were down in Melbourne, we kind of caught up for a beer. In Vietnamese. In Vietnamese, of course. And yeah. uh, at this time... Joey was trying to teach me to be more mindful. Um, was I? Is, yeah. Actually, we did something which is quite meaningful. It made me like Joe. There's not a lot of things that make me like Joe other than, uh, you know, his similarities to me. But uh, <laughs> we went for, maybe it was Thai, just down from the old, old JB spot. Oh, yeah. And I was really in a rush. I mean, I was super caffeinated, as always. And JT gets <laughs> caffeinated. <laughs> I've, I've dialed it down. Um, only, a, only a gram a day now. And um, we went to this restaurant. And you said, no, man, like, I was like, should we get takeaway? Like, I'm going to have to go back to the Blue Mountains and go to the airport. And, and you're like, no, man, like, let's, let's sit down. Let's, let's just take this time. And you, it was almost like a mindfulness practice. You're like, let's think about this food, man. Like, let's smell it and eat <laughs> it. And you did this thing. And I was like, wow, that's, that's exceptionally cool. That's, it was very memorable for me. It just sat in my mind. I was like, wow. Even though like, that, these are different things that I've worked on since, within everyday life, we don't practice these things. Yeah. And uh, it was great. And I was like, you know what? I could work with this guy. I guess if you had to sort of mark the time, you would say that was the moment that I became the teacher and you became the student. <laughs> it's when we started training jujitsu together. <laughs> sure. Like, that's right. I mean, you know, so, I, I, you know. From that day on, he called me sensei. <laughs> <laughs> sure we can we can say that i'll, I'll make that concession right now uh and then we, we started training jiu-jitsu. actually i remember the first time we ever trained jiu-jitsu was at the dojo yeah and it was one of the hardest roles i ever had i couldn't sweep the guy i couldn't submit the guy i was like is this what it's like to fight myself <laughs> yeah. this is terrible you're this strong flexible athletic guy and it sucked because i was so used to having that advantage over people I didn't have that advantage. And I was like, this is, this is hard. I think we still deal with that, don't we? Where it's yeah, like, it catches you by surprise. You're, you're like, like oh, you fuck. This usually works. Normally when I put someone's hips there, they're fucking dying, but you're comfortable. Oh, yeah. Frustrating. So, but I, I, I feel like when I think about Bulletproof for BJJ and the problems that we've recognized in the community, 
we have similar views on how what, what we can do and and I, I think I was the one I think I was the one who said, Hey man, we're doing similar things. We should collaborate. Like it I was. think there would be a strength in us yeah. working on a thing. Yeah, I, I remember you came to Sydney because JT was living in Melbourne and yes. you, you were coming to see your parents live here. Yep. Out of, out of town. And so you'd come to Sydney and it would always be like, I'm going to be on Sydney on the, in Sydney on this weekend. I'm out at the, you know, with mum and dad, but I'll be able to catch up for like a few hours on this day. So we're always just piecing together these little catch ups, yep. usually around food, always around coffee. Um, and I remember we're hanging out at, at Randwick near my place. We're in the, walking f- uh, through the park and you were like, yeah, bro, you're doing mad things. I'm doing mad things. We need to collaborate on something. Yes. And, and it was like, yeah, 100%. We're trying to help the same community. We have the same message. How do we do it? Mm. And we sort of didn't really know. We just knew we wanted to do some work together yep. to help the JITS community. Yeah, I, I think of it as rappers forming a rap group, uh, something like that. Something very far cooler than our middle-class white boy upbringings. <laughs> but um, no, I think about it. And because the thing is like we have different, we do have different links in different communities. I, you know, have Cuban links, Cuban only built for Cuban links. <laughs> Word is born. Uh, yeah. And like a, my community is Melbourne or shout out, um, you know, absolute MMA, Melbourne, Lachlan Giles, you heel hooking mother upper. Also, Livia Giles, congratulations to both of you. They will be oh, having a little baby. Child. Yeah. Congrats, guys. It's awesome. Beautiful thing. And yeah, and obviously, Joe having his strong connections in this in Sydney scene, with our powers combined, we are Captain Bulletproof. Um, yeah, and I, I, I think I had made a decision when I turned 35 that I wanted to be less competitive and more collaborative because I feel like th- there's greater strength in that. And I just could see what you were doing. And I was like, that's really awesome. And also Jungle Brothers, and I'm so grateful to be here now. Shout out Jungle Brothers for letting us use your mic equipment. Respect. Um, It's always been the coolest gym I've ever, coolest gym I've ever kind of been at. And the community here is amazing. So I kind of wanted to be a part of that as well as, create a community because jiu-jitsu is a great community but when you get injured you feel alone like when your knee is hurt you can't go to jiu-jitsu you got to go to the physio you know you you you're in pain and often when you're in pain you feel alone and i mean you've you've had your own kind of you know acl reconstruction and dealing with that it's a it's a confronting thing when you're injured it is and i think the one of the um well you know maybe it's a I call it a flaw. Uh, it's, it's not an intentional thing, but one of the, the problems with the jiu-jitsu world is that when someone gets injured, the jiu-jitsu community, so let's say like your gym, your coach, your team, they don't know what the fuck to do about it. Mm. So it's like, oh, just keep showing up, train light, or just do the technique, or sit off to the side and watch. Mm. There's like these very general kind of you know lukewarm suggestions, mm. but there's no actual like, Hey man, let's get you doing a rehab thing. Let's like let's keep you connected with the community. Let's give you like let's let's reduce the price of your membership and like get you working in here outside of classes to to fix your leg. Mm. Um, let's you know let's call you at six weeks to see if you're ready to cut. Like all yes. these little things that are like um, that a real community is like touching touching base with you yes. and sort of facilitating your your repair. Yeah, uh, doesn't happen. Mm. So I mean I think the stats show, and I'm, I'm sure most people can identify with this. A lot of the time people get injured in jits and then they take some time off and then they never come back. Yes. And you, and then, you know, and the coach forgets about them because they're busy coaching 
everyone else is at the in their class in front of them. Mm. There's very little attention paid to that. So yeah, yeah there's like a you really lose touch with the community when you cop an injury. Yeah, and I, I know for myself, I, my mental health drops when I get injured because then you can't do the thing you love, right? So then that, that has its negative effect, not only the fact you're in pain or you're isolated. But the truth is, so many people in the jiu-jitsu community are getting injured. Yes. So you're not alone. You're actually part of the, yeah, part of the greater Welcome group. to the real club. Yeah, that's <laughs> right, the injury club, yeah. right? And uh, I, I guess the thing that I had thought, um, which – which is really what Bulletproof is built on, is being able to give those answers and give a path back. Because physios don't know. You go to a physio, you're like, I was upside down. I had my foot up around his butthole. I was inverted. My arm was outstretched and he just sprawled on me and my back went snap, snap, snap. Well, how do I fix myself? And the, you know, the physio looks at you like, are you an alien? What, yeah. What's wrong with you? Just stop doing whatever you're doing. Now you do jujitsu. You're like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not stopping. Just help me. And the, and the physio is trying to like fit that into their categorization of, oh, yeah, jiu-jitsu, taekwondo, aikido. Yeah, I've seen it. You do the thing. Typo. And, yeah, yeah dojo life. You know, yeah. they're like, <laughs> they just don't get that, that grind and that pressure and that. And just the, the amount of force that's applied to the most random of positions mm. that are completely um, – non-replicatable replicable yep you know like it's just so fucking random yes. the whole thing that unless they've done it or they've watched it for a long time they really got no idea they don't get it yeah no. and it's very hard to find a jiu-jitsu savvy uh therapist um practitioner and and look there's also the, a gray area and this is where i feel um this is what we've worked on in the last kind of two and a half years, three years, is the gray area between when you've had an injury or you've got a chronic thing that you haven't fixed because we're just being humans, just soldiering on, and where you're healthy and fit and you're, you're more or less pain-free and you're feeling good. And, and th that gray area is recovery. But how do you go from like not quite completely fucked to back to healthy? And I, I think a lot of what I've seen in terms of what we're doing in terms of prehab rehab i mean we're not physiotherapists but we know that we should be we, should, we so should be <laughs> yeah. just hand me a degree i mean craig jones can get a yellow belt off a you know one throw in a tournament i've rehabbed a lot of people from injuries just give me a degree what can i tell you <laughs> he got a judo yellow belt for that hip yes so yeah right. <laughs> i mean dante leon's a hard guy to take down but i mean he's kind of short and he's a mad hip toss craig is very tall yeah. <laughs> he's very photogenic um no i just think i having also been through my own process with uh, physios and torn ligaments and, and also having to work it out for myself, I feel like what we can do is just go, hey, let's save you some time. Like, don't do a whole lot of this. Don't do a whole lot of that. Let, let's just give you what will work for you and bring you back to a point where you can get back on the mats and, and, and start your path back to being healthy. And I, I guess that kind of brings us back to the bulletproof kind of method or, or process because people are always asking us different questions and, and really it's all about strength and mobility. And I guess I, I'll get you to speak on that a little bit more, mm. Joseph. Okay, yeah. So, so strength and mobility, two kind of specific things that we're interested in. The, the big one that people ask about a lot, and this will sort of frame where I'm going with this, people ask about conditioning. Yes. Right, and everyone's fucking, everyone, everyone said this, Someone, I just need more cardio. I need more <laughs> gas, right? And it's like, 
because you, you finish a round and you are fatigued and gasping for air. And so the initial, like the, the connection is, I'm fatigued, I'm gasping for air, I need a bigger gas tank. Yes. Right? I can, it's a simple formula to kind of see how people arrive at that. And the thing that we're saying is like, well, what if you look at this from a different perspective? And that perspective is one of movement efficiency. And so what we're talking about there is your ability to move through dynamic positions for a, for a reasonable period of time. Let's say you're doing a, a six-minute round. Now, uh, the, the stronger, the more mobile, the more coordinated, the more agile you are, the less energy it takes you mm. to navigate those movements over six, seven minutes, right? But if you've got super tight hip flexors, your spine doesn't work properly, your shoulders are fucked, you can't get it up and off the ground without a huge amount of effort, then that six or seven minutes is going to be really fucking hard on you, right? It's going to cost you a lot of energy. Yes. And this is the thing for us is like, I mean, we dabble with a bit of conditioning. I haven't, I haven't done any conditioning training for years now because it's not of interest to me. Jiu-jitsu is my conditioning. Yes. In the gym, that's where I work on my efficiency, yes. getting stronger, getting more mobile, and that allows me to, to, be, uh, to, to flow through. So I can still uh, I can still be a savage when I have to be be super explosive, but it also means I'm not like burning up needless energy for fucking minutes on end, right? Yeah. The the thing that we noticed with the majority of these jujitsu folk is that they just move like shit. Yes, they're really good when they're on their back or when they're on, you know like they have their jujitsu technique. That's great, but they don't have good body mechanics. They don't. They're not expressing full range of motion. They're missing simple things like hip flexor mobility. Uh, spinal rotation, their shoulders are super tight. Yes. So the, 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 the lowest hanging fruit, when we look at it, uh, knowing what we know and with all the people we've worked with, the lowest hanging fruit is, well, let's fix those fucking glaring issues first. Mm. And then once there's a, a, an adequate amount of efficiency, all right, then we can start to work on the yes. gas tank, whatever. Yes. But I think people notice by the time, oh, shit, man, I'm moving so much better. Yes. I feel fitter on the mats already. That's not even a consideration anymore. Yeah. And I think also the thing, there's, there's a couple of elements here. I, I'm, I'm with you 100% on all those things. Pain is a neural inhibitor. So you can't, if you're in pain, you can't be strong. Like that's your body blocking your ability to use your nervous system. And a lot of jiu-jitsu folk are in pain. But we just grin and bear it, right? Because like that's jiu-jitsu. That's the mentality. But in truth, if you can take the handbrake off, which is pain, someone will be stronger and they don't have to lift any weights. You've just freed them up. Like, I think it was a funny thing with kind of isolation. People stopped training jiu-jitsu for a couple of months. People like feeling, dang, I'm feeling good. Oh, <laughs> through COVID? You know? Yeah. The, man, the, injuries have healed up. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm so healed. Yeah. <laughs> so strange. I actually slept last week for the first time. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I think... Um, relative to that idea of efficiency, strength is a much greater component of um, jiu-jitsu than people probably account for. And we all know that feeling when, you, when you're when you rolling someone who's about your size, but they're far stronger than you. You're like, I can't do anything. Like that isometric strength is a much bigger component of grappling than say strength endurance is say for boxing or other, other combat sports. Yep. And then also we all know what it's like to roll with someone who's super flexible. Like they, they can get the guard from anywhere. You're like bending their arm inside out. They're not tapping. You're like, what is going on here? Yeah. There's no restrictions. So they, they just, they're moving exceptionally well. The combination of both those things. If you've got someone who's strong and flexible, that's like a jujitsu nightmare. It's the worst. It's the hardest thing to deal with. And, and I think if we look at this more from the perspective of somebody who's, who's like, oh, I do jujitsu. If we can 
added degree of strength and movement efficiency, jujitsu life gets easier. Yes. Not only can you control you better, you can control your opponent better. And also when you're more flexible, you've got more to play with. You're not getting, you're not tapping off bad posture. That's right. You haven't got bench press posture and you're, you're kimuring yourself. You know, you can move out of things. You, and, and also, it acts as the process, I feel, because this is the thing that, you know, dealing with the uh, Bulletproof BJJ community and, and all our, our, our lovely people on the program, shout out to all our Bulletproof BJJ crew. Um, people are saying, I feel better. I can actually train more. And actually, we've had like some pretty good weight loss stories because people were just able to train more jiu-jitsu, which meant they burnt more energy and then lost weight yeah so that's that was never a goal but that was beautiful a side product great side product yeah i mean you, you know i like to think of like um uh you think of the human body you think of someone that's really tight through their major joints mm. your joints are really your the, the hinges that allow you to move so if you can only express let's say uh 50 of, of of the range of motion in a particular joint yeah you've essentially reduced your movement capacity by 50 percent. yes right and if you look at Pro bodybuilders, they're a great example of this. It's, it's, there's there's a, a lot of like um, interesting little stories about what happens to them in later life. Yes. Because they train themselves into this rigidity, right? It's yes. part of their specialization in that sport. But the, the, what happens in the end is you actually become a prisoner of your own body. Yes. You can't move. Yes. That's it. You're fucking locked in behind all this muscle. Mm. And, and, you know, um, and I'm not saying that there's a correlation necessary between building muscle and getting tight. But for those guys, there is. So for jiu-jitsu folks, it's like all these fucking benefits cascade out of them becoming stronger and more mobile. It's like weight loss, energy, better sleep, better movement on the mats, better gas tank. Like it's like purely by focusing on a couple of high level things. Yes. Right. You get all this stuff. Yeah. It flows down. Whereas if we're all just like smashing you with cardio. Yeah. Sure. Maybe you're going to get a little bit fitter. Maybe you gain 5% capacity there. Like you're no less likely to get injured. Like you, no. if not more, and it's not going to give you any other benefits. No, it it's going to help that one little thing, a small degree. Yeah. It doesn't have the crossover. Yeah. No, I feel that. And I guess that's where that Joe, Joe came up with the hashtag some days pour harder, which I think is very apt because really we're not asking people to do a lot more. We're just asking people to do enough. And we're not saying be a pussy. No, not at all. Not, not in the slightest. I think it's more around the idea that you see a lot of people, you know, come off the mat and they're like, throw a gee over a chin-up bar and just do some gee chin-ups. But ask yourself, like, that's actually not the best thing you need to do straight after training. You probably need to just do some stretches. If you want to come in the next day and do it all over again, you need to look after your rig. Like we've got to do some body maintenance. And I feel like that's, that's in the fine print. Like no one says, hey, you want to do this martial art? Look, you're going to suck for at least five years, contract at least six major injuries, and you're probably still not going to be very good. <laughs> like, and no you've got to stretch every day. Yeah, I mean, no, no one's signing up for that. <laughs> and then if someone also said to you, oh, yeah, by the way, you also have to do a subsequent amount of like two to five hours body maintenance a day, like a week, also people wouldn't necessarily sign up for that. But once you're in... You're part of the jiu-jitsu cult and you've, you've won it and you're on the path to black belt. We all want to see everybody get there, but we don't want everyone to be a crippled old, you know, sensei guy who can't do anything, like get to black belt and then can't do anything. Which is the classic black belt model. It is. Uh, this is, you know, the simplest thing you can do is look at your peers in your class, look at the older guys and girls who've been on the mats for a long time, usually got a black belt or a brown belt or something like that, and ask yourself, do they have the kind of body mechanics that I wish I could have? Yeah. 
And I can guarantee you the vast majority of them, you'll say, fuck no, I don't want to end up like yeah. that. I don't want to move like my grandpa when I'm 35. <laughs> <laughs> my bro, we've, uh, we're approaching endpoint. Cool. Well, tell, me, uh, tell, me, tell me any uh, final thoughts. Well, I'm excited because we're going to be doing this uh, so much more often. And uh, anyone who wants to kind of get on board with Bulletproof and is hearing this uh, can go to our Instagram at Bulletproof for BJJ on Instagram. But then also if people want to check us out online and really hear what uh, goes behind it and have a look at our program and how they can benefit from it, uh, go to www.bulletproofforbjj.com. And then, yeah, look forward to more of this. Also, if you just want to reach out to Joey or myself, we're very accessible um, you can find me uh, on Facebook, James Tenacity Tomlinson, and uh, UJ Bone. Find me on Instagram at JB Joey, J B J O E Y. Yeah. But I, I also, we run the Instagram account so you can get at us through that. Um, on our website, take a free trial of the program. <clears throat> if you want to sign up, use the code Bulletproof10 and you'll get yourself a 10% discount as well. Nice. All right. Awesome. Well, I'm very much looking forward to doing this again and uh, getting into more subject matter on how we can help y'all be more bulletproof. Thanks for listening, guys. Cheers, JT. Oh, man. Thanks, Joey.